Support for today's show comes from Squarespace. Whether you need a portfolio to showcase your work, a store to sell your products and services, or a blog to share your ideas, Squarespace gives you everything you need to make your next move into a reality, including a free domain. Not to mention, with Squarespace's beautifully designed templates and customizable features, creating a beautiful website is a simple and intuitive process. Simply add and arrange your content with the click of a mouse. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter the offer code PROOPS to get 10% off your first purchase. salubrious confines of my hotel room in Chicago, Illinois. Once again, we join hands and join hearts and try to find some solace in each other's company as I fiddle with my new baby Zoom that Matt and Ryan got me. And we try to boldly venture into the new world of technology. I'm on the road with the Who's Live Anyway guys. That's Joel Murray, Jeff B. Davis, Ryan Stiles, and Bob Durkatch. We're out on the road here in the middle of a giant tour. Uh, I was in London the week before and had a glorious time with the Comedy Store Players. Uh, that would be your Josie Lawrence and Richard Vonch, who you'll remember quite well from the English Who's Line, is it anyway? And uh, Andy Smart, Neil Malarkey, and Lee Simpson. I did several shows with them at the Comedy Store, and then we did the Globe Theater in London uh, before we left, and it was a sensational experience. I want to thank them because they're beautiful, and also because they're very funny, uh, and uh, a highfalutin comedy group, very high class, uh, difficult to run with them. They're so literate and so well-versed in everything. Not that the Who's Live Anyway group isn't. Oh, my God, we're so canny and witty, and oh, my God, the singing and the dancing. You'd think it was a circus uh, that had broken loose inside a carnival uh, that was running around outside of a, of, of a festivities tent. Um, but uh, playing the Globe Theater is an amazing experience because people are all around you, and the back wall of the theater is maybe, I don't know, 30 yards less than from the stage. It's very close up and intense, and when you look above you, people are behind you. Um, cause it's in the round. Been a, an actual recreation of Shakespeare's Globe. I had to fight a bear, uh, before the show began and then we had bull baiting afterward. Um, then we went, um, for tankards of ale and, um, and got it going with wenches at nearby saloons. Uh, I also got in a fight with Ben Johnson over whether he or Marlowe, uh, had written two noble kinsmen. So it was quite a weekend. Um, and now we're on the road with the, uh, Who's Line guys and we've just done, Oh, golly, Des Moines and Omaha and someplace called Onamia in Minnesota, which uh, was scary, um, but great fun. And this was the best part of Onamia. I came out and I said, does anyone have a favorite movie? And someone yelled Purple Rain. And I said, anyone else have a favorite movie? And no one said anything. And I said, so there's only one movie in Minnesota. And everyone went, yes. And I started singing Purple Rain and the crowd sang along with me. And they would have sung the whole song if I'd stayed up there long enough. I have a group, uh, so I'm responsible for other people's entertainment as well. But um, if I'd been on my own, I would have sang the entire song of Purple Rain. It was a, a fantastic experience. And uh, it's been one year um, since the Purple One has uh, swirled into the heavens where he is leading a kick-ass band. Uh, and everybody stop on one and a... Uh, um, and so it was, it was moving. Uh, I, I'm, I'm chuffed beyond measure to know that in Onamia, Minnesota, where there was a lot of camo uh, and a lot of ball caps, that people still keep Prince close inside their heart, uh, as we all do, um, because he was a beautiful pixie sent to this world to make us happy and no other reason. As he once said, someone said to him, what about music? And he went, I am music. 
Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Anyway, we had a sensational time in London, a sensational time uh, on the road here. We're carrying on. Um, if you're going to come and see us, you can go to Who's Live anyway and uh, and find all of our dates. By the time this drops, we'll still be on the road because um, this trip is a longie. And yeah, I'm getting right to that and uh, right away. Aren't you going to do any um, uh, uh, comedy up front? Uh, I thought some plugs first. <coughs> Excuse me, cough. Uh, let's see, by the time this one comes out, we'll have probably already finished in Chicago, but we're going to New Jersey, Delaware, Westbury, New York, two nights in Boston, New York City, uh, Glenside, PA, uh, Baltimore, Richmond, Nashville. I believe Chip Eston will be playing at the Nashville gig. Let me put the kitten out of the kitten bag with that one there. Then uh, San Antonio, Houston, Austin. And then now we're going to Las Vegas at the end of the month. I will also be at the Bell House on May 26th in Brooklyn doing the Proofcast there. And then back in Los Angeles at Bar Lubitsch doing the uh, Proofcast there. And then onwards. Whoa, kittens. I, I, I can hear the cord bouncing against this. I hope it doesn't drive everyone mad. I know it's driving me mad. We'll be back at Bar Lubitsch uh, in Hollywood either the 5th of June or later in the month in June. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we'll also be doing the Greg Poops Film Club on the 13th at the Cine Family. Jennifer's chosen the awesome film Harold and Maud. We're going to go see that. Then I'll be at Idiot Fest. Uh, and um, it's, it, it's listed as Silicon Valley, California. Well, it's not really a place. It's a state of mind, and it's an HBO show with T.J. Miller and uh, Kamile. But it's uh, no, it'll be done in Sunnyvale. Uh, and that's on the 24th of June. I'll be doing a set there with Chris Hardwick and the gang. And uh, then we'll be at the Punchline in San Francisco in July, uh, the 20th through the 24th. Oh, yeah, I'll have other dates. And there'll also be other podcasts popping up. Don't worry about that. Uh, I almost sounded like uh, Orange 45 there for a second. Believe me. Believe me, there'll be more podcasts. Uh, let me jump right in. This is the day that we're recording that Orange 45 said the day before to a, a person who works at CNN who's supposed to be a reporter named Selena Zito, um, whose answers, uh, whose responses to Orange 45's answers were uh, less than journalistic. Let's put it that way. Uh, he was talking about Andrew Jackson and how much he's like Andrew Jackson and how he went to Tennessee and where people in Tennessee love Andrew Jackson. I, I'm not quite sure. He sort of grasps the concept that Andrew Jackson's dead. Now, remember, this is a president who thought Frederick Douglass was alive, who was amazed that a, a room full of women knew who Susan B. Anthony was, uh, and a room full of Republicans. He was dazzled by his own discovery that Abraham Lincoln was a Republican. And he was like, hey, that should be, you know, we should put that around more. Um, his ignorance is like his racism. It's an all-encompassing thing, and there's one thing that racists and ignorant people like to do, and that's include you in their ignorance and racism. Um, he just found out that Abraham Lincoln was a Republican, and he just found out about all these things about Andrew Jackson. I know he didn't read them because he doesn't read, because he's illiterate. Um, it's well-known and anecdotal, uh, and many people have said it, uh, as he would say. Many people say it. Many people agree they've said it. He always attributes nobody, and I I hate attributing nobody, um, that he's not, he doesn't like to read. Uh, moreover, it's highly likely that he can't really read or that he can't see very well. Um, Jen Kirkman said that she had friends who worked at SNL and that they reported that he couldn't read off the prompter and that he didn't want to go to the script meetings because he didn't like to read off the script. So draw from it what you will. My point is this. Um, he was astounded to learn that I'm sure that Frederick Douglass was dead because someone had just told him who Frederick Douglass was. This is a man who went to Wharton, by the way, and had untold privilege all through his growing up. He went to a military academy. He went to Wharton. What did you do the whole time there? My guess is um, drugs and chasing girls and then um, losing money uh, from his 
father's business and going into bankruptcy and screwing people over in the real estate business, which is what he's done for his entire career of dissembling, lying uh, and being a sexist predator. So, but how can you prove that he's a predator? Um, I believe the women that have come forward. Um, that's how I can say that. Um, isn't it libelous to say that? Well, if I was Rince Preboose or whatever his name is, uh, that says they're going to look into limiting the First Amendment, um, his, his comment that they're going to look into limiting the First Amendment doesn't mean that they're trying to shut down the press. Um, the press is their pliant lapdog, you may have noticed. Um, the New York Times hired a cat uh, named Brett Stevens who wrote an opinion piece on the op-ed page that was like, hey, global warming, you know, hey, my not be happening. Uh, this is for a paper that's supposedly selling itself on calling uh, Orange 45 out on his lies. Well, they're not. Uh, you may have noticed that the mainstream media and the newspapers and the cable television that uh, Mango Mussolini loves so much are his life's blood. Uh, they created him. They're the ones who keep him going. Um, they're propping up his illegitimate regime. They're propping up the fact that uh, the Republican government is the most obstructive, racist, warlike, uh, hideous, destructive uh, impedance to liberty and civil rights and the moving forward of this country that's ever been put on the earth. I think you'll find Noam Chomsky said last week, and Noam Chomsky does know a little something about history, that they're the most dangerous force in the history of the world. Um, their ignorance, uh, their lack of artistry, their lack of intelligence, their lack of a plan, their lack of knowledge of history, and basically running, wanting to ride shotgun uh, on a death cart uh, in a spiral down to nothing is what their agenda is. Um, this is a, an administration that doesn't believe that women deserve health care or that children deserve school lunches or that guns should be limited in any way or that anyone should learn anything. Um, so where do you go from there? Well, many good places. Uh, Andrew Jackson, uh, we discovered, was just like Trump, um, a slave owner. Uh, the difference was Andrew Jackson and uh, between Andrew Jackson and Trump is Andrew Jackson, for all of his psychopathy, for all of his slave chasing, for all of his uh, murders, which he committed, uh, some in duel, some on the battlefield, um, was a brave person. And Orange 45 is not. Orange 45 is a bully and a coward. As you know, all bullies who bully people around, make fun of other people, diminish everyone else's accomplishments, use their own self-aggrandizement, never listen to any reality, never listen to anything, just shout other people down. He walked out on an interview with CBS yesterday because he didn't like that the guy asked him the question over and over, where did you get the allegations that Obama wiretapped you? And he went, I'm entitled to my opinion. Well, it's not an opinion. You keep saying it's a fact. Uh, and uh, as Papaya Pinochet, you really need to back up your facts. But then again, we know that we live in this weird circular conundrum that's inside, uh, wrapped inside a riddle that's wrapped inside um, a, a DV, uh, excuse me, lies uh, and, and mendacity because everything he says is a lie. Therefore, what I'm about to say, you know, it's that old conundrum. Everything I say is a lie. This is a lie. Uh, everything that... Uh, Everything that the uh, Kremlin controlled carrot says is a lie. So it's difficult for him to know when he's telling the truth, which would be never. In any case, he said this. Uh, it was amazing. The people of Tennessee are amazing people. Everything's amazing because when you have no vocabulary, you overuse the word amazing. They love Andrew Jackson. They love Andrew Jackson of Tennessee. Selena Zito's reply, he's a fascinating. She could barely get anything in. A lot of times she just says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and she's not in the Beatles. I mean, had Andrew Jackson been a little later, you wouldn't have had the Civil War. Okay, Andrew Jackson died 15, 16 years before the Civil War. I don't think he knew the Civil War was going to happen. 
Let's be honest about that. He was a very tough person, but he had a big heart, especially when he was chasing slaves down or dueling enemies. The man he said he wished he'd shot his vice president. He had a big heart. Uh, he was really angry that he saw what was happening with regard to the Civil War, except he wasn't because he didn't see what was happening with the Civil War. He said there's no reason for this. This is something he never said. People don't realize, you know, the Civil War, if you think about it, Why? People don't ask that question, but why was there the Civil War? Why could that one not have been worked out? This man is in charge of the free world. He has an arsenal. He has an entire armed forces at his disposal. He's in control of the Senate, the House, and the judiciary right now. He got a Supreme Court justice appointed, um, who's more right-wing than Scalia ever dreamed of being. And he just said that Andrew Jackson said there's no reason for the Civil War and that people ask why was there a Civil War. There's a simple answer why there was a Civil War. Um, some of the states had slaves. That would be the Confederacy. The other states didn't have slaves. And then there were several states that were border states. This led to the Civil War. But wasn't it a, a fought over economics? And wasn't it fought over the War of Northern Aggression? No. Some people wanted to own other people. That's why the Civil War was fought. Okay? Yes, the economics came into it because owning people was the economy, the, the engine that was driving the Southern economy. Um, you can split hairs any which way you want to. His breadth of ignorance, the scope and breadth of his ignorance are dazzling. His lack of regard for black people as humans is indicative of the deep and abiding racism and white supremacism that he feels inside. His lack of any regard for any accomplishments women or people of color have made in the history of the United States, his absolute barren uh, intellectual curiosity. Um, this is a man who, as I've said before, doesn't have a favorite piece of music, probably doesn't have a favorite ballet, play, book. I'm sure he's got some favorite movies, um, you know, probably Patton or, or something that he misunderstood utterly that was an anti-war movie that he read as a war movie. Uh, it is pretty shocking, isn't it? So what do we do, Greg? I'm scared. Um, well, pressure at all times, house.gov and senate.gov. First of all, there's a thing called fivecalls.org. Go to fivecalls.org, type in your zip code, and they'll tell you the name and number of your senator and congressperson. Then you must call them ceaselessly. Email them, write them. I hate to test the word snail mail, but letters get through. Fax them ceaselessly telling them not to support Orange 45 and to move forward with the Russia investigation. Uh, Mr. Uh, the, this character they call Gorka has finally been ousted from the White House and is going to join some other crap think tank. He's a straight up Nazi. Uh, let's just cut to the chase on that one. Um, Bannon is a, a white supremacist. They call them all nationalists, but let's call them what they really are, Nazis. They hate Jews. They hate women. They hate uh, people of color. And they hate anyone different than them. And they hate immigrants. And what they want is chaos and misrule. Um, we're living under a good deal of chaos and misrule right now. But as you've seen in the first hundred days, his largest accomplishments have been to inflict a massive amount of suffering on immigrant families many of whom are afraid now uh, to report anything that happens bad to them. For instance, if you were sexually assaulted and you're a woman and you're here in the United States without papers, who are you going to tell? Because you know the ICE agents are just going to come and chuck you away and deport you. Uh, that creates a hideous situation. That's a real thing he's done. Um, the uptick in hate crimes, the uptick in uh, anti-Semitism, uh, threats being meted out to um, Jewish community centers, Jewish schools, uh, cemeteries defaced, uh, uh, people of Muslim extraction, 
uh, or people who follow the Muslim faith being Muslim extraction. I sound like him now. People who have extracted themselves from Islam. Uh, Muslims uh, are being hassled ceaselessly. People who look like Muslims to ignorant people. In other words, people who wear turbans like Sikhs. Uh, the uptick in hate crimes has been horrible. Um, the freedom that racists feel now to be racist. Um, his horrible rallies were a Nazi skinheads attend. Any other president would be ashamed of any of these things. Um, he's not. So we must demand uh, that he be ousted. I believe that he will throw the cabinet uh, under the bus one by one by one by one. Uh, Flynn went. Uh, Gorka's gone. Um, when the shit gets closer to the fan, which is going to take some time because the Senate investigation is moving at a glacial pace uh, and the House investigation is going to get going sooner this week, I believe, uh, with uh, uh, former Attorney General, Acting Attorney General Sally Yates and uh, FBI Nazi uh, James Comey. Uh, he's up to his weenie in Russiagate and Manafort, Cohn, uh, Kushner, they're, they're all on the hook for this. Uh, and obviously Sessions, who had to recuse himself from the investigation, uh, is up to his uh, caducus in this as well. Th this is what we push for. Um, remember, for all the horror of um, uh, Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan uh, running the, their, their respective houses, uh, we do have Kamala Harris. We do have Kristen Gildebrand. Uh, we do have Maxine Waters. We do have Barbara Lee. There's loads of women leading the charge and a few good men like Adam Schiff leading the charge uh, to try to run him to justice. And it's going to happen. The wheels of justice turn very slowly. You may remember W was president for five years before Katrina happened. And then evidently his followers saw his true colors. And the next four years were a wash, right? He horribly was reelected in a rigged election. Um, but within the year, uh, Rumsfeld and Rove had to leave, who were in the inner, inner circle. And the direction changed. Let's be very honest. Uh, so... As I said, uh, write them ceaselessly, your representatives. They've stopped a lot of uh, what's been going on. Um, he didn't get his Muslim ban. He isn't getting his injunction against the sanctuary cities. He isn't uh, getting almost everything he cried out for. He hasn't delivered on any of his promises to his hardcore base of maniacs. Um, so it's a very unsuccessful presidency. Wildly unsuccessful in a million ways, one of which is he praised Erdogan after that rigged election in Turkey. And Erdogan is shutting down uh, the press and suppressing civil rights in a mad way in Turkey. He invited Duarte of the Philippines, who's an absolute mad person who's killed thousands of Filipinos in his pretend war on drugs and said, and I'm quoting here, this isn't a pretend quote of fake news. I don't give a shit about human rights. Um, that's not someone you invite to the White House. And. That's what Trump did. He invited him to the White House. He praises Putin. He's praised Marie Le Pen, who is a neo-Nazi fascist running uh, for uh, prime minister of France. He's praised every bad person in the world and never said a good word about President Obama. Let that sink in for a minute. He's supportive of everyone who's our enemy, who's an enemy of democracy everywhere in the world. What does that tell you about where he wishes to take the United States? He wants us to be illiterate, gun-toting people with no health care. Um, and we're not going to let that happen. Uh, there's a march coming up on June 3rd. It's called the March for Truth. We've had the Science March. We've had the Women's March. We've had the Tax March. And they've all been wildly successful. Believe me, it gets through to him. He watches Fox News and even Fox News in their Pravda-like uh, obeisance to uh, making everything he does sound like it happened. 
and that there was some sort of plan behind it, shows these marches on TV, and it, it drives him mad. Otherwise, he wouldn't be handing out electoral maps to everyone that comes to him. Evidently, that's the new thing. When you meet him, he hands you an electoral map and says, look how big we won by. He's relitigating the election for several reasons. One, he's obsessed with his own popularity because he's a monomaniacal, dysfunctional person who's clearly got delusions of grandeur. Second, I believe his senility is creeping in. He doesn't seem to have any short-term memory, and he doesn't seem to have any memory at all, really, uh, of anything. Um, and so uh, pr- proving that he's popular is something that's very important to him. Uh, again, you ask, what can I do? There's a very inhumane thing going on in the state of Arkansas. The drugs that they have, that they give lethal injection... Um, to people with, because they still execute people in the state of Arkansas. Let's be more specific about what they do in the state of Arkansas. They execute poor people and black people in the state of Arkansas. I've talked about the death penalty before, and I'm going to talk about it right now, ever so briefly. The countries that have the death penalty are China and Iran and the Soviet Union. You don't want to run with those neighborhoods. That's a bad neighborhood to be in. The Saudis have the death penalty. You really, really, really don't want to have the death penalty. I don't hear what your argument is, but what if I shoot your mother? Don't shoot my mother, first of all. That's a really bad argument. Um, There's a thing called due process, and when you put someone on death row, all the appeals add up to more. Uh, You spend more putting someone to death than you do keeping them alive in prison the rest of their life. I know it doesn't sound like it makes sense, but it does. It just requires some mental gymnastics to understand that the appeal process costs more than keeping someone alive in prison for a long time. Secondly, there's no redress of grievances. An eye for an eye is Old Testament jazz, and it doesn't work. It doesn't bring anyone back. It doesn't make anything better. It just adds to the death count. Thirdly, The death penalty is meted out geographically by the states that have it and economically only to poor people. When a millionaire gets the death penalty for pulling some death, for murdering people, then I'll believe the death penalty is being meted out in a fair and impartial manner. When Dick Cheney has to face the death penalty for war crimes, when George W. Bush has to face the death penalty for war crimes, for starting wars in Iraq and Afghanistan that have led to the deaths of millions of people. Oh, that's too abstract, Greg. They were in a governmental position. All right, if that's too abstract for you, um, what about rich people who kill their wives? Um, your Robert Durst's, for instance, um, he hasn't even faced, uh, he may go to prison, but he's in his 70s now. Uh, it happens time and time again. Rich people never face the death penalty. Poor black people, illiterate people, and one of the gentlemen who committed several horrible murders, I grant you, there's that, you know, that fact notwithstanding, is IQ 70. So his awareness of what's going on uh, when he's being executed. Well, one of the people they put to death was writhing and kicking on the gurney 20 times. So the Constitution, just to hip you to it, prevents and forbids cruel and unusual punishment. The governor of Arkansas is named Asa Hutchinson, and his number is 501-682-2345. 501-682-2345. The attorney general is one Mr. Rutledge. His number is 501-682-2007. 501 2007. Call them. Call their office. I have. Jennifer has. Jennifer gave me these numbers. <sighs> Call their office and tell them that you disapprove of the death penalty because it's inhumane. And executing eight people in a week because your death drugs are about to expire is one of the most horrible things I can... It, it, it's, it's a blight on society. Here's what... 
Bishop Anthony Taylor of Little Rock wrote the state's governor on March 1st, asking him to commute the sentences of the eight men to life in prison without parole. They've executed four of them. Since the penal system of our state is well-equipped to keep them incarcerated for the rest of their life and thus protect society, we should limit ourselves to non-lethal means. That's a bishop, a Catholic bishop. Um, Marcel Williams was executed last week, uh, along with another prisoner named Jack Jones, in the first double execution since the year 2000. Uh, Mr. Williams killed two people. He scored a 70 on the IQ test. Um, He was writhing on the gurney for ages. Uh, An AP reporter present at his death said he lurched and convulsed as the drugs for his lethal injection were administered. He was heard speaking in tongues, according to the Associated Press's Kelly Kissel. His attorney noted the reports of Williams' reaction to call for an investigation. The governor has, of course, denied this, and the Supreme Court uh, denied their stays. And the governor says that he's fully within his rights to do this, and he feels he's done the right thing. Um... And Mr. Williams, the one who was executed, by the way, had been pimped out by his mother um, when he was a child for sex so he could get food stamps and whatnot. Um, Ms. Clifton is uh, Mr. Williams' lawyer, and she said, our whole society has been diminished by these four executions. I would agree. Uh, I don't think anything's more horrible uh, than that kind of heartlessness. But this is really what's come to the fore Uh, under Orange 45, the justification of cruelty, the use of force against the poor, um, diminishing of people's civil rights. Uh, The governor said this about an independent investigation about Mr. Williams jumping up and down on the gurney. I think it's totally unjustified. You don't call for an independent investigation unless there's some reason for it. Uh, He came across as a reluctant figure of his decision to push for the executions, calling it part of his job. Hutchinson was asked if he'd feel comfortable having the state carry out more executions. I really don't even want to think about that right now. I do my responsibility. If the attorney general sends over names that are subject to execution, we'll start the process over again. Even though these victims have had justice in the cases of the four, there's a number of others waiting for justice. I don't see it as justice, but that's me. I'm soft-hearted. Support for today's show comes from Squarespace. Whatever your next big idea might be, count on Squarespace to help you create an eye-catching online platform that brings it to life. Whether you need a portfolio to showcase your work, a store to sell your products and services, or a blog to share your ideas, Squarespace gives you everything you need to look like an expert right from the start. You even get a unique domain, which strengthens your brand and makes it easier for visitors to find you. Plus, with Squarespace's award-winning templates, creating a beautiful website is a simple and intuitive process. You can add arrange your content and features with the click of a moose. And there's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. Though, if you do have a question, Squarespace's award-winning 24-7 customer support can help you with any problem, no matter how technical or trivial seeming. Think of them as your very own IT department. So, make your next move and start your free trial at squarespace.com today. Enter the offer code PROOPS, P-R-O-O-P-S, to get 10% off your first purchase. Again, that's P-R-O-O-P-S. The Smartest Man in the World podcast thanks you. So let's take a look at Orange 45's 100 Days. He himself made a 100-day pact with America. Also, the significance is not lost. The last few administrations have been under scrutiny to accomplish something in the first 100 days. It's considered an important time. You may recall that Obama visited a bunch of countries, uh, got lots of legislation passed, was able to basically save the economy uh, in the first 100 days of his administration. Um, Orange 45 has accomplished 19 days of golf and inviting uh, the dictator of the Philippines to come over uh, right after having opened a hotel uh, that Ivanka shills for in the Philippines. 
People asked me during the last uh, <clears throat> election cycle uh, what my first 100 days would be like, and I've chosen some of the, of course, uh, things that I said I would do were I president. Day one, executive order, equal rights amendment. Day two, cut defense budget by half. Half the money goes to feed the house. Uh, half the money goes to feed and house the needy. Day three, the Justice Department edict to stop police brutality effective immediately. Day four, we go after banks, mortgage brokers, Wall Street with full force. Day five, we drink. Day six, college tuition free for all. Day seven, bathe in hatred being poured on me. Day eight, mobilize the army to keep the white supremacists from blowing up the White House. Uh Uh-huh. Day nine, gun control enforced nationwide. Day 10, marijuana legalized and mandatory. I had a lot of things. The Indians give it back their land, a statue to Aerosmith. CEO pay limited to five times what workers make by federal mandate. Uh, The minimum wage raised. uh, No Uber. Uh, uh, Sunday is free for kids to get into sporting events. The national anthem replaced by an Aretha Franklin song that we all choose before the game. The government's not allowed to use the word terror. Uh, The networks are forced to show music and arts. Mental health care free and on demand. Um, Hologram of me used in public to avoid assassination. War can only be declared by unanimous vote. No more Avengers movies. (laughs) Uh, Alaska is a game preserve. No oil drilling. Uh, one week between the end of the season and the Super Bowl, uh, more national holidays like Owsley Acid Day, no passport use for Mexicans or Canadians. The minute you're born, you receive a driver's license and a passport the rest of your life. Um, the Dick Cheney Profit for Blood War Monument dedicated. Uh, D.C. becomes a state because it has more people than Wyoming. Uh, and then the new Proops Work Administration, we build bridges, roads, fix the grid, super trains, closed all nuclear plants. Plants, wind power, solar power, free bikes, closed city centers for traffic, pay for the subsidies we give the banks and oil companies and the private prison industries. Uh, those are some of the things I wanted to do uh, if I had become Proopsident. Uh, and now I'd like to read you some of the things Jennifer uh, sent me yesterday that are some of them are so good I can't believe how good they are. Uh, this was Jennifer's first hundred days. A new law. Uh, only women of color can hold office. Men need permission to go outside. You need <laughs> all children get a free nutritious lunch. The end. No guns anywhere. Women get to play whatever sport they want. And Kelsey Plum, who's going into the WNBA, gets to decide which men get to play basketball. Contra Costa County should be renamed after Sly Stone. California has an open border with Mexico. Everyone gets to vote over the weekend. Free pie in exchange for your opioid script like a gun exchange. No such thing as a gated community. All Americans are given jazz appreciation concerts. Ron Carter Day, the fabulous bass player. Uh, I suggested that we exile Kid Rock, and she suggested we exile him with Ted Nugent. They can go live with Sarah Palin. Marsha P. Johnson gets sainthood. Marsha P. Johnson was the uh, supposed was the uh, purported starter of the Stonewall riots, uh, which started gay rights uh, and activism in this country, and was uh, a, a gay rights activist of enormous importance and a transsexual. Um, A fifth of all buildings named after James Baldwin. Nothing named for a Bush, a Reagan, Trump, or John Wayne. Graceland becomes a house for the homeless. Uh, Trans people can use any public facility they damn well like. All disabled people given assistance and respect. All victims of domestic abuse given housing and free counseling. Wednesday's renamed Mahalia after Mahalia Jackson. Yoko (laughs) Yoko Ono hired to redesign the White House. John Varvodos has to close his shop in New York City and reopen as a Ramones museum. 90% 90% of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame expunged. 
an American flag replaced with Gilbert Baker's rainbow flag. Fox News taken over by Fran Lebowitz. That one had me falling over, quite frankly. Fran Lebowitz is a humorist uh, and one of the wittiest women of all time. One of the wittiest people of all time. She happens to be a woman. And uh, that was super sexist on my part right there. Fox News being taken over by Fran Lebowitz. Gabrielle Giffords gets to decide what to do with the National Raffle Association. Dolores Huerta takes over the USDA. Booker T and the MGs are the official White House band. Every Sunday, Beyonce gets to decide what we do as a nation. No one graduates high school until completing the Gil Scott Heron history course. Ava DuVernay and Denzel are each given four Oscars automatically. And anyone named Affleck that has an Oscar has their Oscar taken back. All stamps will feature Paul Robeson or Rosa Parks or Grace Lee Boggs. All Native Americans given free housing and education, free everything for life. All Confederate monuments taken down. A huge statue to Sylvester the fantastic disco star from San Francisco on Market Street. Teen Vogue, given editorial control over the New York Times. Only poets made police cheaps. Dolly Parton, chief of protocol. Little Miss Flint, head of the public health department. All refugees welcomed warmly by local officials, officials and treated to special services. Johnny Depp must remain on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride until otherwise notified. Bill Maher show replaced by, by Hidjaj Mohammed, our first Olympian to wear a hijab. Mandatory time spent at independent bookstores by everyone in the country. A course in civility and ethics for all U.S. airlines. Spanish is the other official U.S. language. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nurses get to decide how much doctors make. Fast food workers get a living wage. Facebook forced to relocate to Ohio. <laughs> And forced to hire women of co- women and people of color. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've become hysterical. I'm still getting over Fran Lebowitz and Beyonce getting to decide what to do every Sunday. No private schools. Public schools get remade into something wonderful. Geronimo replaces Washington on the dollar. Stevie Wonder is imported ambassador to everywhere. Day two, the Jefferson Memorial renamed for Furry Lewis, the great bluesman. Uh, the Elizabeth Cotton Museum created. She was a singer-songwriter. The entire state of Wyoming becomes a national park named Bess- in honor of Bessie Smith after Dick Cheney is kicked out. Um, the NSA is replaced with the Navajo Code Talkers. George Takai in charge of Homeland Security. That will make America Gaijin again. That was her first hundred days. Um, absolutely astounding. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I want to read you a little bit about uh, some th- groovy people that are doing groovy things. Rick Steves, who I've made fun of on the show before, but is, as I've said, a right-on guy. He believes in, he's a liberal-minded person who believes in legalized marijuana, but this is where putting your money where your mouth is comes through. Rick Steves gave away $4 million for an apartment complex. Steves, who makes millions selling travel books. Um, by the way, Jennifer gave me this. It's from a a Seattle paper. Steve's makes millions selling travel books, started buying cheap apartments 20 years ago as a retirement investment. In 2005, he bought Trinity Place and partnered with the YWCA and the Edmonds Noon Rotary Club to operate the property. He planned to eventually will the complex to the YWCA, but is deeding it over now. I gave a $4 million apartment complex to the homeless for women and kids to the YWCA. It was a complete surprise, said the YWA spokeswoman, Annalie Sheff. Shafenick? Shafenick? Um, it said the donation gives the organization the stability of ownership. Affordable housing is a pet cause of Steve's, who produces a popular travel series on public TV and radio. His Edmonds-based business, Rick Steve's Europe, has more than 100 employees. He saw the need for cheap housing as a young backpacker in Europe. 
Mary Ann Dillon, Mary Ann Dillon, the YWCA executive director of Snohomish County Services, said it were not for Trinity Place, some of the residents would be homeless. The YWCA reported that Snohomish County has seen a 50% increase in unsheltered people since 2013, and 2,400 students in the county are experiencing homelessness. In 2016, the YWCA served 60 women and family members at Trinity Place. Steve said, in addition to aiding the homeless, he gave the property away because the election of President 45 and the rise of the new greed is good ethic in our government. Again, in Washington State. And well done, Rick Steves, and thank you for giving away a $4 million apartment building. Billionaire Paul Allen pledges $30 million toward permanent housing for Seattle's homeless. <sighs> so great. Microsoft co-founder and billionaire philanthropist Paul Allen says he will donate $30 million toward the development of permanent housing for Seattle's homeless. Seattle Mayor Ed Murray said the city will contribute an additional $5 million toward the nonprofit Mercy Housing Northwest Project, which is, does not yet have a site. He'll donate... Um, the, dona- the donation will help cover and design construction costs for Mercy Housing Northwest, uh, and it's geared for homeless families. It will include on-site service center to residents and the wider community. Um, our visitors right now, let's see, the move follows the governor's challenge to the city's businesses and philanthropic communities to devote resources toward local efforts to reduce homelessness. It is so beautiful of him to do that. Um, so well done, Paul Allen, and well done, Rick Steves. Let's talk about a woman uh, that d- did a lot here. Um, it, it's May Day on the recording of this Proopcast, and uh, I'm in Chicago, and Jennifer sent me this uh, via Victoria Brownworth, who uh, tweets under the handle V-A-B-O-X, and she's a a reporter of some acuity. This is about Lucy Parsons. Uh, She was one of the women who founded May Day. She was a woman of color um, and led the March for Workers' Equality. The class struggle was at fever pitch. Uh, This is from a site called uh, Workers' World. Uh, in Chicago in 1885, unemployment was high, wages were low, and food prices were rising steeply. On April 28, thousands of workers expressed their anger over their hunger by demonstrating against a lavish dinner celebrating the opening of the new Board of Trade building. The workers, mostly European immigrants, filled LaSalle Street, chanting against price-fixing, price-fixing speculation and the injustice of starvation amidst so much wealth. Does that sound familiar? That the 1%, as we call them now, have everything, and that one of the 1% is working uh, uh, as chief executive in this Republican government, and everyone in his cabinet is also a one percenter, and they have nothing but the destruction of society in mind and enriching themselves. Let, about, back to Ms. Parsons. Lucy Parsons was born a slave in Texas in 1853. In 1871, after emancipation, she married Albert Parsons, a white Reconstruction supporter involved in registering black voters. The rise of Klan terror at the end of Reconstruction led the young interracial couple to move to Chicago. The fire had devastated Chicago, and uh, millions of dollars donated to help the victims that had been borrowed at no interest by big businessmen on the Relief Society's board of directors, including George Pullman of the Pullman car fame, that was one of those the cars you slept in on trains, and Marshall Field, who had the department store here in Chicago. They stole money from the relief fund. 10,000 workers went to protest at City Hall. Um, that includes Ms. Parsons and her husband, Albert Parsons. He found work as a printer, and he got involved in the trade unions. Then they started to have socialist meetings. Um, the railroad workers struck in 1877, and many were massacred by federal troops in Chicago. Does that sound familiar? Um, the killing of poor and unionized people 
um, by the police at the behest of the state. She began to write for working class newspapers and speak for the Working Women's Union. She organized seamstresses into the Knights of Labor to fight for an eight hour day. Um, she also had a small dress shop that she ran with her uh, to support her two children. They had a Thanksgiving Day in 1884, and she, uh, he, and she led thousands of unemployed down Prairie Avenue, which is where the mansions of George Pullman, Philip Armour of Armour Meat, Gustavus Swift of Swift Meat, Cyrus Hall McCormick, the inventor of the thresher, and Marshall Field to dramatize how little the poor had to be thankful for. Um, the murders of peacefully striking picketers at the McCormick Reaper plant, May 3rd through 4th, 1886, culminated in the Haymarket Rally and the frame-up of working-class leaders. The Haymarket Rally and riot are one of the most famous events in labor history uh, and are immortalized here in the city of Chicago. Her husband was jailed, and she went around the country uh, giving speeches, supporting him, and she took in extra sewing. In any case... She was arrested many times, uh, and her and her children were stripped and thrown naked into a jail cell and released after they hung her husband. The next day, his coffin was brought to her apartment, and she found the strength to retrieve the red flag she carried in the Board of Trade demonstration, which she draped across Albert's body. 10,000 workers filed through her apartment during the night to view the body. 200,000 people lined the streets for the funeral procession of Albert and his fellow martyrs, the victims of the government. They were hung by the government for protesting um, in essence, that they were poor and that they wanted to unionize and that rich people had too much. I know it all sounds terribly familiar. This, the fight, the struggle is eternal and the struggle continues. Uh, she organized against the war with Spain in 1898. Uh, she was in, active in every major 20th century workers' defense case. Big Bill Haywood, Sacco and Benzetti, the Italian immigrants who didn't do anything, and Alabama Scottsboro brothers who were accused of rape, of course, and they were black people. She was a member of the Socialist Party, wrote for the IW uh, World Paper, and, um, excuse me, she specifically addressed the oppressions faced by black people and women. She campaigned against racist lynchings and criminal injustice and fought for women's suffrage, equal pay, birth control access, and abortion rights. In the 1920s, the Chicago Police Department Department described her as more dangerous than a thousand rioters. In the 30s, she was too poor to afford a nickel for a streetcar, and she walked downtown to sell her newspapers in Chicago six miles. In 1941, in one of her last appearances, she spoke to strikers and international harvester, successor to the company that had provoked the Haymarket riot 55 years earlier. She died in 1942, uh, and she was trapped in a burning house. The FBI stole her papers. Parsons was a woman of color who became an extraordinary leader in the struggle for the new liberation of the workers, oppressed and women. Her spirit lives on today in the new generation of women fighting for liberation and socialism and Black Lives Matter and the Women's March and uh, uh, Planned Parenthood, all these things. She merits remembrance on International Women's Day. That's uh, coming up. Her militancy, her militant legacy remains feared by her foes. In 2004, the Fraternal Order of Police tried but failed to stop the naming of a, a Chicago park after Lucy Parsons. It is International Workers Day today. It is May Day today, the day we record. So I wanted to remember her. Um, speaking of women who are fighting for autonomy, the Vagical Mystery Tour uh, has been put together by uh, Liz Winstead and her group Lady Parts Justice, with a lot of other women as well. Uh, and it's a comedy tour that's going around the country uh, all of uh, June and July. Uh, I'll be attending. I don't know which dates yet. I'm hoping to get out um, for the Jackson, Mississippi dates, which are at the beginning of June 
And that's at June 7th at Julie Hall in Jackson, Mississippi. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm trying to get out for that one. So far, the comics that are going to perform, and these uh, will vary by city, are Liz Winstead, Jackie Cation, Alonzo Bowden, Mezun Zaid, Ian Harvey, Helen Hong, Gina Yashir, Negan Farsad, Arpan excuse me, Arpana Nankaria, who, by the way, you should be following me on Twitter because she's an absolute riot, Dina Nina Martinez, Joyelle Johnson, Leah Bonima, and uh, Buzz Off Lucille, the comedy group. I noticed there's a paucity of men. <clears throat> uh, but again, uh, what's going to happen is they're donating all this money. Um, there, I'll, I'll, let me read you a little bit. This summer, Lady Parts Justice League is expanding our boots-on-the-ground work in a major way. We're hitting the road with the Vagical Mystery Tour, an eight-week, 16-city, USO-inspired comedy and support tour that brings entertainment, elbow grease, and love to independent abortion providers in the communities they serve. The League works together with abortion providers and activists in local communities, bringing them the support they need and the funding they deserve. In other words, we go to the clinics... We help people out, we give them money, and then we do a comedy show at the night. At night, It's a USO tour uh, for abortion. And uh, women's absolute right to have an abortion. Notwithstanding what Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders have said in the last couple of weeks, there is no negotiating on this. The, Demo the Democratic Party is the party of women's rights. That means it's the party of abortion. That means uh, abortion is as much a part of women's rights as anything else. It doesn't make women killers, uh, and I won't have it in any bloody goddamn way. If you're not down with that, um, I don't mean to be crude, but fuck you. Um, they're calling it the USO meets Habitat for Humanity with Abortion Clinics. And uh, you can go on their page, which is vagicalmysterytour.com. Um, you can see the tour dates. You can join up. You can help. You can donate. Um, they have a CrowdRise campaign to support the tour. Um, when I tell you where the tour dates are, you'll understand how important this is because of where the places are we're going. Some of these states, for instance, Mississippi, is the only abortion provider in the entire state. And they're beleaguered. Um, the uptick in violence against clinics. You may have heard about the one in uh, uh, Falls Church, Virginia, a week ago. Um, clinics are being threatened all the time. Uh, clinic workers who are trying to help women go in and out of the clinics for a variety of reasons, not just abortions, are set upon by people who are uh, violent misogynists who want to yell at women and call them killers. Let me tell you the places where the tour is going. Uh, Fort Worth, Atlanta, Birmingham, Jackson, Little Rock, Oklahoma City, Wichita, Omaha, Iowa City, Milwaukee, Chicago, St. Louis, Indianapolis, Michigan, Lakewood, Pittsburgh, and Louisville. So you can see how important this is. Linz Winstead and her group have done so much to help women keep the right to choose. And uh, it's completely worthy. Trust me on this. I have talked about her before uh, at a podcast in Chicago two years ago. I talked about how she'd gone around the country in a bus. She really puts her money where her mouth is. Liz Winstead helped create the show, The Daily Show. She's the co-creator of that entity. Uh, and she is an activist and uh, a mensch of the highest order. So far, they've raised $21,000. Um, you can donate on their website. Uh, um, it's a CrowdRise campaign uh, to support the tour. By the way... Uh, uh, we're getting a small fee and we get uh, airfare and I think a hotel room. I'm going to waive my fee and donate it back um, because I don't want it. And I will donate money as well uh, to the Vagical Mystery Tour. Um, I think that there's nothing more important than we can do to um, use the gifts that um, have been given us. And my gift is that uh, I was given the ability to be a comedian in this world. And so, God damn it, if you can't use it for some kind of good, what the hell are you doing? A couple of people are swirling in the heavens. When we were in London, we were walking by. We're staying in Notting Hill, uh, and we saw a giant 
a funeral reception going on and we were like, oh, my God, who is it? Well, Jennifer, who knows all, sees all, found out that it was Darkus Howe. Darkus Howe was a broadcaster and writer and an activist. Uh, he was English. He was black. Um, he moved uh, from the Caribbean uh, to uh, England uh, in the 60s, and he became an activist there. Let me read you a little bit from his Guardian obituary because he is swirling in the heavens. By the way, his casket was paraded through the streets with a live band and uh, there was much reggae being played at the reception and a guy drove up on a purple three-wheeler motorcycle with a Jamaican flag on it. It was pretty groovy. Uh, I wish you could have seen what people were wearing and how beautifully dressed everyone was. Um, uh, after his initial experience of racial tension in Britain at the start of the 60s, Howe became active in the black power movement in the U.S. and the Caribbean. In August 70, having returned to London, he organized with Althea Jones, Laquant, and the black British Black Panthers a campaign in defense of the Mangrove Restaurant. The Mangrove was a small piece of decolonized territory in Notting Hill. When police attempted to close it, uh, it was run by a man named Frank Cricklow, Critchlow. Um, Howe came to his friend's aid to organize a march, entirely peaceful until the police intervened. Mm. It led to a spontaneous melee, the melee to arrests, and the arrest to the biggest black power trial in British history. For 55 days, Howe and Jones LeConte led the defense of the Mangrove Nine, themselves, Critchlow, and six others from the dock of the Old Bailey. The Old Bailey is where they have all the big trials in England, in London. Howe demanded an all-black jury, a claim he rooted in the Magna Carta. The judge rejected this, but the Nine had stamped their authority on the case. He subjected the prosecution to forensic scrutiny against the combined forces of the Special Branch, the Metropolitan Police, the Judiciary, and the Home Office. They prevailed. They won their acquittal on charges including incitement to riot, but forced the judge first judicial acknowledgement that there was evidence of racial hatred on both sides. The verdict sent shockwaves through the political establishment. Senior figures in the Home Office, that would be what we would call the State Department, maneuvered behind the scenes to get the judge to retract his statement, but the verdict stuck. In 73, Darkus Howe established the Race Today Collective. They were not trying to set an agenda. They put out a magazine, Race Today, recording grassroots campaigns in Britain and abroad. Among their number were Lila Hassan, the deputy editor and later Howe's wife, Linton Queasy Johnson, you may remember him, the dub poet, and Barbara Beast, one of the Mangrove Nine, and Farouk Dondi, the writer and commissioning editor for Channel 4 Television. And this is where it gets awesome. When female Asian workers went on strike at the Grunwick Film Festival, uh, film processing laboratories in Wilsden in 1976, the collective provided support. When the same year the Bengali Housing Action Group provided an organizational basis for squatting in vacant properties in the Tower Hamlets, they, the collective, helped create the largest squat in Europe. Race Today's largest campaign followed the new crossfire in 81. The deaths of 13 young black people from a suspected racist attack was met with indifference from Thatcher's government, the mainstream press, and the police. Howe organized a day of action, the largest ever political demonstration by black people in Britain, on a working Monday. In doing so, he applied the methods of organization he had learned from U.S. radicals H. Rat Brown and Gwen Patton a quarter of a century earlier. 20,000 people? The vast majority black marched through London. It was a powerful demonstration, but the backlash was swift. Swamp 81, a massive escalation of stop and search, attempted to reassert police control over London's black community. Tensions reached the breaking point, and this is a famous moment in British civil rights history. The Brixton riots for three days, an insurrection of the masses of the people. The Race Today office was on the front line. The collective monitored the battle, recorded events, and after the insurrection was over, debriefed the leading participants. From then on, Howe argued, no longer would black people simply complain about white power. They would confront it head on. Howe's first TV series, The Bandung File, was commissioned by Dondi with Tariq Ali as co-editor. Tariq Ali is a lefty. 
uh, activist, radical, and named in the song, uh, he is the street fighting man in the Rolling Stones song, Street Fighting Man. I've had the pleasure of meeting Tariq Ali, and he's astounding. How reported on topics included the pirate radio in London, the economic policies of Julius Nurir in Tanzania, and the overthrow of Baby Doc Cuvalier in Haiti. And The Devil's Advocate, How Subjected People in Authority to Public Scrutiny. These are TV series that he did uh, with Mr. Dondi, uh, the commissioning editor at Channel 4. He was born in Trinidad, and his name was Rhett, but his nickname was Darkus. Um, he was immersed in Dickens Shakespeare in the Book of Common Prayer by his mother and father, his first teacher and head teacher at Echo Village Primary School. Um, let's see here. He was quite literate. At 18, he went to Britain with the intention of training as a barrister. Unwilling to accept the status of a second-class citizen, he gave up the law in favor of black power politics. Um, he worked in Trinidad. Uh, he did so much. Uh, Darkest House an amazing figure and is a great loss to the world and is swirling in the heavens. You may have heard that the film director and writer uh, Jonathan Demme uh, has swirled off into the heavens. His most famous pictures, of course, are uh, Philadelphia, uh, Blue Velvet. Um, and uh, he started at Roger Corman's factory making movies like Caged Heat and whatnot. He's a pretty quality filmmaker. And uh, uh, I would watch uh, Stop Making Sense, Where Are You? Uh, I know, yes, you're going to say he won an Oscar for Silence of the Lambs. I don't like Silence of the Lambs. I hate any movie where women are tortured. I'm sorry. I don't find them entertaining. I don't like serial killer movies because I don't think serial killers are fascinating any more than I think a broken machine is fascinating. Um, serial killers... Uh, uh, have no conscience. Therefore, to me, they are less than human. Therefore, I don't want to hear about them. Anytime anyone's tied to anything or having a needle stuck through their skin, I hate Saw movies. I hate any kind of uh, uh, gore porn at all. It really bugs me uh, to the maximum power. That's why I didn't bring up Silence of the Lambs. I know it was Best Picture and Jodie Foster won an Oscar and everyone was marvelous in it. I, pre I appreciate that. Anthony Hopkins is a nice person and he deserved to win an Oscar. And the next day back on the plane, and I know this because people on a Virgin aircraft told me because I was flying back after, um, when he won the Oscar, was letting everyone in first class hold his Oscar and was walking around taking pictures with everyone biting their neck. So he's good fun, and, and God bless him for that. Uh, I think uh, Philadelphia, which is a troublesome movie if you're gay, since no one gay was in the movie, and Jonathan Demme didn't bother with that, uh, but at least he made a movie about AIDS, and it's probably the first great mainstream straight guy uh, AIDS movie. Notwithstanding Parting Glances and other uh, groundbreaking things. Uh, I, I think Stop Making Sense uh, is one of his bigger achievements in so much as it's a beautifully filmed picture of the Talking Heads uh, 85 concert. Uh, Jennifer and I went to that concert in Berkeley and he doesn't interview anyone. I love the take that he does. He does close-ups, he does mid-shots, he does long shots, but he doesn't interview the band so we don't have to listen to rock stars pontificating uh, about how hard it is to be on the road or we don't have to listen to fans talking about how great the band is. It is simply a document uh, of the concert, and it's a very arty concert. And as you know, the Talking Heads, or you may not know, the Talking Heads raise the money for the movie themselves. And what makes it so awesome is they go through their Canaan, and then they get funkier and funkier, because they brought in uh, Lynn Mabry, who's from the Brides of Funkenstein in Parliament, Funkadelic, uh, and then they brought in Edna Holt, Bernie Worrell, who we've talked about on the show, who uh, went swirling into the stars last summer and was the keyboard player for Parliament Funkadelic. Um, Alex Weir was in the Brothers Johnson. So they really had an all-star funk band on stage by the end. And I was at that concert, and as white as the Talking Heads are, they threw down uh, super hard and put on a funky great show. And that movie's totally worth watching, in my opinion. I don't think Jonathan Demme was an insensitive filmmaker. I think he was a very bright man. And I think his mark on cinema is wild. He enjoyed extraordinary mainstream success with a couple of his movies, um, but remained 
eclectic until the end. And I think his first love was really music. He made Neil Young movies and uh, lots of other kinds of movies as well. Um, he's an interesting director. Let's put it that way. Uh, he, uh, let's see, he directed Philadelphia, Rachel getting married. Yeah. Uh, he was kind of a political activist and that's what I loved about him. Uh, Jonathan Demme, uh, to me, uh, that's the important part. He did serial, a series of commercials for people for the American way, which was Norman Lear's group. Um, he worked with, um, uh, the Artist Against Apartheid in 1985, uh, when uh, apartheid was a huge issue in South Africa. And he did a documentary called Haiti Dreams of Democracy in 1988. He also did another movie called The Agronomist about the Haitian journalist and human rights activist Jean Dominique. And he did another picture in 2011 after Katrina, obviously, um, called I'm Caroline Parker which was about the Ninth Ward. So his social activism, I think, is very impressive, considering he could have just done schlocky mainstream Hollywood films um, and didn't do that. Uh, Jonathan Demme uh, is swirling in the heavens and a very valid artist, and we wish you well up there. And we hope that you and Darkest Howe can make an awesome documentary about the injustices going on here on Earth. Um, before we go, I just wanted to say one thing. Um, Orange 45 said it in an interview last week, and uh, it couldn't have been more surprising to more people. I loved my previous life. I had so many things going. This is more work in my previous life. I thought it would be easier. When the leader of the free world tells you that he thought the, being the leader of the free world was going to be easier than it is, um, there's two things you must do. One, pray. Develop faith immediately. And two, activate, baby. Get out in the streets. Do what you can. If you can only make a phone call, do that. If you have to do it for someone else, do it for someone else. Um, we're going to be out here fighting, and I want to see you on the front lines. This has been Greg Proops. You've been the smartest crowd in the world. I've been the smartest man in the world. May every page you turn be a satchel page. May every bell that rings for you be a cool papa bell. And if you have to buy bonds, make sure they're very bonds. Everyone unite and resist. 